Welcome everyone to the section on the short run trade-off between inflation and unemployment, or also known as the cost of reducing inflation expectations. So this chapter covers more than what I focus on in this class, but this will be the discussion on this topic for macroeconomics. This is Dr. Terry Elin coming to you from home to wherever you are. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the economic ride. So the big idea here in this chapter is in the past, we've talked about the costs of inflation. We talked about the idea that if uh, there is a certain level of inflation, it's going to lead to menu costs and shoe leather costs. The higher the inflation, the more often menus have to be changed or prices have to be updated and the more people will run around or have higher transaction costs to avoid inflation uh, issues. So those are the whole idea of not letting inflation be too high. But then you could have a target of 5% or a target of 2%. If you keep your inflation rates the same over time, you'll always have that same kind of inflation problem in terms of cost of menu and shoe leather costs. Here, we will talk about why if we had a target of a certain percent for so many years, why we don't wanna let that target get out of hand for a year just to recover rapidly and then bring us back to the target. So Canada's had a target of inflation for 2% for a very long time and it could potentially say hey, we're going through a really hard time right now. We're going through a really severe recession. Let's just accept 4 or 5% inflation as we stimulate this, uh, this uh, recession as best as we can. And let's just get out of it as quickly as possible. The problem with that is as soon as you let inflation rates get beyond that target range that we normally have, people's expectations change. People have been used to 2% increases in price level for a long time. It's gonna be easy when it comes to negotiating for higher wages to just negotiate for 2% increases in wages. However, if for some reason it's been 2% for the longest time and all of a sudden one of the years it goes up to five, 6%, well, you could be sure if some people are up for negotiation for their salary, they're gonna say, hey, now we want a 6% increase in our wages for the next few years. And that's gonna have a bad impact on the economy. If this was increase in inflation was kind of short lived just to simulate the economy back to full employment and the goal is to go back to 2%, it's not as easy as it's said. So there's this idea of uh, expected inflation problem. So if people expect higher, way, uh, higher inflation, they're going to negotiate for higher wages. As that happens, if the government does not have that higher inflation level, well, what's happening is that wages are going up more rapidly than they should. As wages are going up more rapidly than they should, that would be kind of like the AS curve shifting left. And as this happens, we're going to start falling back into a recession. So we allowed inflation rates to get out of hand, to get out of a recession quickly, but in the end, people's expectations being higher than they should is actually bringing us back towards a recession. It's shifting aggregate supply left. So you could imagine that you're in that long run equilibrium. We got back to it, 
but because people negotiated for higher wages and the government doesn't want to have that higher inflation keep on going into the future, the AS curve is going to start shifting left. If you draw it out, you'll notice that that short run equilibrium that we'll have will be a situation where we are producing less than potential output. So in a recession, whether it's mild or severe, and where the price level is actually higher than before, which is a situation where there's a certain amount of inflation. And it makes sense. People ask for higher wages, so that's going to lead to inflationary pressures. And as that happens, that situation is a situation that we call stagflation. Stagflation is a combination of a stagnating economy, an economy that's performing less than potential output, and an economy that has inflation. So this is what we would have. So how do we get away from it? Well, if we had this inflation problem get out of hand, the central bank has to be very convincing and saying, we really want to aim for a 2% target. And it has to be convincing to the point that we're going through a small recession because people have a negotiated for higher wages. We're going to let this economy go into recession because you guys negotiated for higher wages when you should have never done so. We always had a 2% target. It got out of hand temporarily, but we told you it's going to come back to 2%, uh, but you still negotiated for higher wages. So we're going to let you guys go through a, a small recession. So that whole process is kind of that idea of removing monetary validation, because if the central bank were to increase the amount of money supply or lower interest rates to kind of allow this higher level of inflation to occur, they're kind of validating people's expectations. So the word validation is important to kind of saying we're no longer validating people's expectations. That's going to lead to a situation of stagflation. And over time, uh, people will take the central bank seriously and we're going to recover. So in this whole process, of influ uh, reducing inflation expectations, there are certain costs involved. So it's very bad for the economy to do so because for a certain amount of time afterwards, when people will be in that stagflation phase, we're going to be sacrificing some of the potential output. So there's a certain sacrifice ratio. You don't necessarily need to know to, how to calculate this. It's just that because people expect higher wages and they negotiate for it, we go into the stagflation phase, we're underperforming for a certain time. So that's why we never want to let inflation uh, rates get out of hand. Because otherwise, if we let them get out of hand, it's going to cause a problem in the future, in a, in a very short future, not necessarily very far down the road, probably in the next year or so. So you stimulate the economy too much and boom, you have inflation expectations, people negotiate for higher wages. And then if you don't want to let these inflation wages increase like the same percentage uh, be common in the economy, you have to fight it by not validating people's expectation. And as that happens, it's going to lead to an underperforming economy for a certain amount of time. And that underperforming economy for a certain amount of time will be costly because GDP could have been at a certain level, we could have been producing at this level with this amount of unemployment, but instead we're producing less and there's a higher level of an unemployment and the economy is just underperforming. So that has to be accounted for. And if you look at the graph at the end of uh, the slides, you could see that 
there were a certain costs involved uh, over the years because in the 1980s, there was really high inflation rates and the central bank wanted to start removing or lowering those inflation rates. But there was a lot of uh, unemployment in those years because it took time for people to adjust to the lower targets. When you, are, you, when you get used to double-digit inflation rates and, the, and they're asking you just to negotiate for like 2% increases in wages, it takes a while for you to take it uh, seriously. So the big thing here, the big idea here, and this is where all hyperinflation problems kind of started, is that the central bank has to be seen as credible. If the central bank says we want 2% inflation and we don't care if we're going through a recession, that is our goal, that is our mandate, start taking it seriously, it has to be credible. And that's why the central bank, as when we introduced the Bank of Canada, is seen as a separate entity, even though it's government-owned. It's a separate entity from the politicians in charge. Politicians are on a four-year mandate. The governor of the Bank of Canada is on a seven-year mandate. They want to act independently. And the reason why they want to be independent is they want to be seen as credible. Because otherwise, if election year is about to come around, and we have high unemployment rate because the central bank is tough at trying to reduce inflation expectations, people would expect the government to just kind of push the, the central bank into stimulating the economy more to get unemployment rates down low again to make sure that they get reelected. And that would be too much political influence. What we need is a separation to happen. All cases of hyperinflation, uh, especially cases in Germany and other parts like that, the problem is that the central bank didn't seem to be credible at first and its goals uh, didn't seem to limit its options. So we often talked about at the end, they were trying to find ways to say, this is what we're doing and we're not uh, budging from the, this choice of reducing inflation expectations. And, uh, and it has to be completely separate and credible. Otherwise, it's going to be a very long time before people adjust. And that very long time leads to a lot of reduced unemployment for long years. So big thing is try to keep inflation rates stable. If ever they were to go up just ever so slightly, make sure to remain credible in terms of the Bank of Canada, the central bank to make sure that people do not embed higher inflation expectations if that is not the new standard. Otherwise, it's gonna be a costly process. So at the end of the day, every time you hear someone say, we're going through a recession, uh, why doesn't the government just kind of print a lot of money and get us out of this recession quickly? Well, there's a few things that they have to consider. They have to make sure that we're not creating a lot of inflation, which will be a problem in the future. Or if they're, we're talking about like, why don't you, they just spend like crazy to get us, get us out of this recession? Well, if they increase a lot of government spending, uh, they're leading to a lot of debt, a lot of deficits. And sooner or later, we're going to have to pay that deficit or debt down. Like that money doesn't just appear in the future. So if they're spending more now, Either us or our kids will have to pay for that bill in the future. 
So there's a lot of implications there. There is no just kind of like easy way out with no repercussions or no trade-offs. And hopefully in this class, you learn how all the mechanisms work, at least the basics of all the mechanisms and all the kind of trade-offs involved in this whole story. I hope you guys enjoyed this class. Uh, I wish you all the best for the final exam and I'll talk to you guys soon.